Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Guys, I'm right here, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And I'm Paul Moak. Paul, Paul Moak is here. Hey. Round of applause. I'm just wondering, how many times are we going to clap? Uh, question. Yeah. How come I'm the only one wearing the Metallica uh, Hawaiian shirt? When I walked into the studio and I saw Paul wearing his Let's Go to Fucking Hawaii Metallica shirt, the amount of shame that welled up in me, because it didn't even occur to me. Yeah. yeah. It occurred to me, which I, I made me feel, I think, even more shame. Like, the thought crossed my mind, should I wear that tonight? And then I thought, well, I didn't really text the guys about it. I don't want to be the only one wearing it. So I just decided to go with my Metallica watch. Well, I was like, should I wear the shirt tonight? Well, I've been wearing it every minute for the last two weeks, so I should just keep it on. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Well, listen, if you're joining us for the first time, we are an all-Metallica podcast. Ethan and I are professional touring musicians based right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Paul Moak. Grammy-nominated producer, great friend of the show. If you have been listening to us for any amount of time, you know Paul. We love hanging out with Paul. As we've said many times, you're not a guest. You're the third host. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So here, let me break down what happened here tonight. Yeah, let's talk about this. Because <laughs> everyone needs to know this episode is going to be like no other episode we've ever recorded. Right. So the plan was... By the way, we are giving away two copies of the wonderful Adam Dubin film, Murder in the Front Row. Mm -hmm. A couple of weeks ago, we watched the film together here at HQ3. We had a blast. The film is amazing. If you guys haven't seen it, the story of early Bay Area thrash, super fun to watch. And that uh, DVD has what a lot of people have been saying is like a really great bonus section where it's 92 minute running time. It's just as long as the film. So we had that dialed up. And as we were getting the microphone set up and getting the DVD plugged in and everything, we just started talking and we realized, let's just do this for the episode. Right. Yeah. Well, we were so we, we like you said, everything was set up, ready to go. We each made a cocktail. We sat in front in front of the smokestack for a little bit, started talking about life. I mean, this was like an hour ago that we all got here, you know. And so it just was kind of decided last minute, you know what? Screw it. We'll watch the bonus features at some point. Let's just do this. Let's yeah. just hang out. Let's talk. Let's riff. We've literally riff life, riff life bro. We have never <laughs> done this in 199 episodes ever. It just it just 199. 199. 199. Well, now I, let's pause right there. Okay. I would like to raise a glass to okay. episode 200 coming around the corner. It's coming right up. Congratulations. What's Thank it going to be? Who knows? We don't know. Thank you, Paul. I, I thought it was James. Uh, <laughs> sh- oh, okay. We well, talk. he had a big B accident. But no, this is, I, I feel like I do this every time. I, I like try to get you guys to stop and realize the magnitude and you're like, oh, but you've done 200 <laughs> I episodes. I know. It's crazy. 
Well, one night. We, Congratulations. It, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. It'd be weird if we clap. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it is like being too close to the uh, to the Yeti, for example. The uh, is the Yeti out there? I don't know. You the get cooler? too close. You get <laughs> not the cooler. <laughs> oh, the, okay. the 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 wonder of the world. Ethan's into the Yeti. Uh, oh, are you talking about cryptozoology? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know how like all the pictures of the Yeti are blurry somehow. Right. Which uh, I'm kind of skeptical about the Yeti. I'm like, oh, why are all the pictures blurry? But that's what the success of the podcast is like for me. It's like trying to take a picture of the Yeti, and the Yeti's a little blurry, blurry. Right. And uh, or it's like uh, the villain in Stephen King's It, Pennywise the clown. Right. Although the, you know the villain of of It isn't really a clown. It's an ancient, eternal demon. Right. That takes the you know the form of a clown. Uh, but sounds like a lunar Satan, right? There. <laughs> I think I'm writing the. Part the two. We need to talk about lunar Satan too, by the way. But I'm not uh, into clowns, by the way. Me neither. But that's why he chose the okay. clown because it appeals to children and it scares adults. Yeah. But but the the actual monster that you can't actually see because it's unfathomable. This is all in the novel. <laughs> it has a. It's a thing called the deadlights, and you can't look into them, or you'll you'll turn to stone, much like you know the fabled Cthulhu. Right. This so, is this is nice. surprising. You explain all this, and yet you're not into cryptozoology. Or even the idea of a Sasquatch existing. <laughs> well, and if you want to know more, this is a, this is not a, a shameless plug. This is a buddy of mine. He's got a new podcast on episode like thirteen, and it's called Blurry Creatures. Really, it's awesome. My friend Nate Henry. Yeah. So if anyone's into that stuff, and, I'm more and of they, a Sasquatch guy. They, they have they, they talk about that. It's, Actually, it, no, I'm more of a Loch Ness monster. I, I don't think I've done a, a Nessie episode yet. Yeah, but. Uh, Dude, it's well, really fun. Look, here's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is that the the massive success of this podcast mm-hmm. is much like the fabled Loch Ness, Old Nessie, or the Sasquatch, or the Yeti, or the Area 51, or the or Florida Stink Ape. The Florida Stink Ape, which I, <laughs> I don't even know about for is. the first Mothman, time. Mothman, Chupacabra. Wow, Old Greg. Well, I do. Old Greg. <laughs> I'm Old Greg. I do appreciate what you're saying about the podcast, though, and and honestly, you kind of been you've been right there with us the whole time. I mean, oh, you were man. you were an early patron of the show. Uh, you've been you know you were on our big Bob Rock episode. I think that was your first episode. You went with us to Detroit to Detroit Detroit, Detroit. Yeah. to see the boys and. You did our first ever live podcast that we did from Hockey Town, USA. That's right. Yeah, Paul, I, Paul's been all three parties. Literally until I said that the name of that place, I did not know what it was called. <laughs> I'm amazed. I you was remember just going to see what happened, and it came out. It was the right place. Dude, that was like five days in one day. It um, was so worth it, though. My yeah. favorite thing about that trip. I mean, we saw Metallica. We got to meet a lot of cool. We got to meet Sarah Sobek for the first time. So yeah. many amazing things happened. My favorite thing, however. Seven-hour trip. We drove there that day. Nine. Okay, nine hours. It was long. (laughs) We drove there that day. We recorded like six episodes in the car or whatever. Dude. We burnt down an entire Metallica show. My favorite thing, we still thought we were going to drive home that night. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Dude, we didn't make it very far at all. I think we made it 30 minutes. I was driving. We were in HQ4. At the time, it was HQ3. HQ4 runner. HQ4 runner. And uh, we we left the gig and we're just like... All right, well, let's just start driving, see how far yeah. we can get. But we're still high because we'd just seen uh, totally. Metallica. And Absolutely. We had, and we had just done Black Tar Heroin. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, we, and we just experienced Hockey Town USA. Um, and I think it was about, yeah, 30 or 40 minutes and we were all starving, even though you ate an entire pizza by yourself at that show. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. <laughs> but then it's like, okay, well, let's, uh, there's a Taco Bell. Let's go in there. The second that food entered our stomachs yeah the next question is which hotel are we getting to yeah. dude paul you took a great picture of us like 
We were either at that Taco Bell or Subway or something, and I'm wearing my battle vest. Oh, that yeah. was Subway on the way up. With the big jump in the fire demon pat back patch, yep. and it's just me in line with a bunch of normal people. <laughs> and what's the patch with the, the cross with the no through it? B- bad religion. Bad religion. Bad religion. Yeah. But you're standing next to, I'm not kidding, like a full Amish Mother family. Teresa. Mother Teresa was No, there. it was like Amish people. <laughs> they had beards and hats, and they were looking at you like you were Satan. I'm guessing that the uh, Hasidic population is not the target demographic for bad religion. Yeah. Well, well also, do um, I guess Amish people like Subway? Well, I, I guess they, they do there in that part of America. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was probably somewhere in Kentucky, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. Well, Southern Indiana. Well, so here's what's going to be fun is there are a few things to talk about in the news. And uh, we are just going to have a good time and talk about music. We're going to talk about Metallica, of course. So let me knock this out really quick. And then we don't have to talk about it anymore. Yep. We have um, we have a Patreon and we are giving away an SNM2 deluxe box set mm. to we're just going to put all the patrons names in a in a in my skull Voss and we're going to draw the name. So if you haven't gone over there yet, it's a great way to support the show. What it basically is, is it's it's set up, and so instead of you just like throwing cash at us, a, a little sweaty bottle of cash, which, by the way, I'm not saying no to. Of course not. I don't know what to do with cash these days. I haven't, haven't handled cash in like six years. But if you do want to support the show, uh, it's sort of a safe way to do it. So instead of you just throwing money at us, it's, it's set up through this tier. They take a cut of it, and they basically facilitate this cool website where we give all sorts of things back to you. Cover our world black and EPs, giveaways like the box set, et cetera. We even gave away tickets to SNM2. Remember that? Yeah, we did. I do remember. So I will encourage you to check that out. You're going to hear a commercial for it. Concurrent to that contest, which that's not even a contest. It's just a straight up giveaway. Yeah. I'm burping on account of the booze. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> this, hey, this is, listen, this is an off the cuff riffing episode. Burp away. I might even chew some ice. In this well, let's episode. say you found yourself in, I don't know, a global pandemic where in the States unemployment is at an insane rate. And signing up at Patreon just isn't possible. We're doing another contest, as I mentioned about the Murder in the Front Row, where all you got to do is leave us a positive iTunes review. We're giving away two DVDs of Murder in the Front Row. Mm -hmm. One of them personally given to me by Adam Dubin, the director. And we're giving away two uh, Squindo Year of the Skull books. Yeah, those are rad. Oh, I want one of those. Well, well, you got to leave some positive 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 review. I already have. Can I just pay you for it? (laughs) Well, you can pay Squindo for it. Yeah. Which, by Dang, the way, man. I'll hook you up, because I have an extra one. I do uh, have an extra you one. You're already, well... Yeah, we'll have to talk okay. about that in a second. Oh, I don't even have one, so consider yourself lucky. So, Squindo.net is where you can support him. He's been doing I love this... love that episode, by the way. With Squindo? Yeah, so good. Yeah, we he's ha- great. We he's had awesome. a guy write in recently, which we're not going to do emails today, by the way. Thank you to everyone who does email us. It's metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. We have been getting, I don't know, 20 emails a week for like four years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're so lucky to have all these really cool people that engage us at that level. We did get an email, I'm going to paraphrase it, from a graphic designer who specifically was like, wow, like hearing that Squindo episode is really special. Mm, It's cool. Because he represents for a lot of us, you know, Squindo was just a kid who, obviously a super talented artist who who took a shot, you know, who took a shot and took a chance and believed in himself and... You know, we I, I think a lot of us, we work in the music industry, so this is a little bygone for us, but a lot of people out there have a dream, they have mm-hmm. an ambition, they want to do something, and a lot of times the only thing standing in the way of them achieving that is just taking the shot. Yeah. And Squindo right. represents that. So it is cool that you like that episode and that this other I mean, dude liked the, it. And He's the American dream. Yeah, not Dusty Rhodes, it's Squindo. I wrote a country song once called... America, uh, that's my American dream. Mm, that's my American dream. That's weird. Dream. I wrote a country song one time called "American Flag Bikini," <laughs> <laughs> and then I wore one. 
<laughs> I wrote one called Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. Wow. Sold us to Toby Keith for a couple bucks. Remember when uh, Steven Tyler went country not yes. that long ago yeah. here in this very town? Oh, you mean his album Red, White, and You? Red, White, and You. <laughs> That's the guy who wrote fucking Dream On, I dude. know. Okay, so all that's out of the way, right? Do they know what to do? The homework. Leave the positive iTunes review. You're going to win something. We're giving away like five gifts that day. Easy. Mm-hmm. And then if you are willing and able, and if you do think the show has value, which I I think it does, I think we've created something cool here. Sure. And uh, all, all the patrons we already have, all the people who've supported us in the past, all the people who write in, all the people who engage us on the socials are proof of that. And uh, it's basically the equivalent of buying us a couple of beers a month. So yeah. there we go. Now that all that's done. So a few things we need to talk about right up front. The big news today, this was a big big news bomb in the Metallica world. It was. Gung, gung, gung. Gung, gung, gung. James Hetfield adopted Clint West. <laughs> <laughs> so Miley Cyrus, famous uh, artist. Never heard of her. Fam- Country turned pop. Uh, famous artist, uh, daughter of one Billy Ray Cyrus, Achy Breaky Heart, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, and also, how about this? That guy wrote Achy Breaky Heart and has a co-write on Old Town Road. I know. Dude. Holy he's shit. He's making dozens of dollars. So, he, well, he's made at least $100 on both of those songs. At least, That's yeah. a fact. Um, so his daughter, Miley Cyrus, who's made some waves uh, in the news. She's a very, um, she's a very, how do we put this? Um, gregarious artist. She's very uh, progressive. Free spirit. She's a free spirit. She's very intense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she came in like a wrecking ball, one might say. <laughs> one might say that. <laughs> Nice. I love she that announced, song. She announced today that she's going to do a an entire album of Metallica covers. Now, here's one thing that the internet has. A little thing called the Metal Police. Oh, man. They were out. No need to insert a, a clip right there. Yeah. Now, I will say, most of the response I saw today in our little neck of the internet, because we've carved out, again, to just brag on our listeners and our fans we have carved out this super cool little spot of the internet called the middle up your podcast family who are as diverse as we are who love music yep and uh who are super open-minded and super cool most of the most of the responses were pretty positive in terms of like oh cool she's got a great voice we saw her on the chris cornell tribute show Mm -hmm. doing say hello to heaven and she murdered she did. A, we were talking about a, a cardigan song that we like. From Let me know when you want me to talk about that for an hour. <laughs> we, we could do a whole episode on that cardigan's album, dude. Absolutely, absolutely. And then she also did "Zombie" by. Where was it that she did "Zombie"? Uh, they just did a. Uh, there's a whole thing going, a campaign going on called "Save Our Stages." Yeah, yep. and they did a "Save Our Stages" festival uh, just this last weekend, and uh, she did it from the whiskey, I think, in L.A. And she did a cover of the uh, of "Zombie" by the Cranberries, and actually absolutely killed it. So we, Zombie. That's a, that was, was that a clip of the cranberry of the original cranberry yeah, album? I just played a CD <laughs> into my microphone. I just played a CD. That was Dolores, wasn't it? Uh, so oh, rest in peace. Yeah, rest oh, in peace. Oh man, I forgot that she had passed away. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. So we have our ear to the ground a little bit in this world, and you know, maybe to your average metalhead, which I totally get. They just see Miley Cyrus in a video wearing leather, you know, yeah. a leather thong on a wrecking ball. But she's really actually a pretty badass artist. Very, great very singer. talented, man. She's, she can sing her ass off. So to people like us, and I think to a lot of people in the uh, Metal Your Podcast family, this was interesting news. I mean, it's like, cool, let's see what she can do. Yeah. Now, there definitely was a Metal Police situation today where people are grumpy about it. They don't understand it. And I thought maybe we could camp out there just for a second. Because... Sure. <sighs> What do you guys think about the argument? I saw this proliferated a lot today 
about this issue of like, she's doing it for a cash grab. Hmm. That immediately struck me as like, maybe this person doesn't understand much about how all this works, but let's say the album sells a kajillion copies, right. which by the way, it won't, it won't, it won't, yeah. Yeah. but let's say it does like with Garage Inc. Like Garage Inc. did sell millions of copies. Mm-hmm. All that money's going to the publishers. She's not, what's the money she's going to make off of album sales, Paul? I have so many thoughts about this. Let's hear it. I want to hear it. Uh, well, first off. Hit us like a wrecking ball, Paul. <laughs> okay. Hit us like a wrecking ball. I'm going to go on a tangent. Came in like a wrecking oh, ball. Wrecking ball. <laughs> oh, boy. Dude. You're going to open for Leonard Satan, by the way. <laughs> I'm. This is going to be Tangent City. Oh, but dude. It, it, I think this episode goes, should be called Tangent it, City. Okay. It, it should, actually, yeah. I have a central point to drive home, so just follow me. Who's going to okay? drive home? <laughs> um, number one, I read an interview one time with Billy Ray after Miley had become huge Mm -hmm. and the interviewer asked a really great question said has miley ever given you advice about your career and he said cut the mullet (laughs) get a haircut that's why i didn't have it sorry he said that miley told her Miley told him him sorry told him when the world says to go right take a hard left Wow. wow. I thought that was brilliant. He's like, Pretty what good. if I take that hard left on an and old town ma- road? Oh, <laughs> and from the mouths of babes, you shall yeah. know true wisdom. Is that the Bible? <laughs> yeah. That was First Opinions 5-6. I studied first the Bible. First Opinions. Okay, so that's number one. Okay. Number two is, the other day, I got on a YouTube rabbit trail mm-hmm. and found myself on a video of Lady Gaga and Metallica rehearsing for the Grammys. Yep. Love from the Flame. I've never seen it. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen it. Okay. I, I co-host an all-Metallica yeah. podcast. Yeah, well... I'm the other host. I'm just a guest every now and then, so i got to catch You're up. You're a co-host. You are a co-host, bro. So, I watched this and was literally blown away with A, Lady Gaga's work ethic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. B, Metallica's ability to say yeah we'll play this a thousand times while you work your dance moves or whatever she's sure. doing and the amount of dedication that both artists had to making this something that was spectacular instead of being like i'm, oh, we'll a, ri- I'm a rich it. rock star yeah, yeah. i'm only gonna i'm only gonna you can work on your dance moves for a couple hours I'll, i'm gonna come in and run this two times right and exactly she was acting like no one knows who i am and i've got to prove myself with metallica she absolutely was yeah that might have been the first time she ever met them in person too Okay, so take that into view. Mm -hmm. Now we have Miley saying she's going to do an album of Metallica covers. This girl, A, doesn't need another dollar from... She's doing okay. She's doing okay. Uh, If there's any kind of grab, it's a street cred grab, which I know a lot of metal people feel like if you're going to love Metallica, you have to have been born a certain way, grown up a certain way kind of the way that we all grew up with metal and love this band. Right. And that maybe because she grew up in a different way and loved pop music that she's not allowed in this circle or whatever. Right. But my argument would be if anyone loves the band Metallica and they want to preach the gospel of Metallica to the world. She's the person to do it. 
I can't think of someone with a bigger audience. It's better for Metallica that she's doing it. Absolutely. And for sure. My my final point, her whole fan base is younger than her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, people, she's 27, I think. These are people that didn't, they weren't at a record store when the Black <clears> Album <throat> came out. Mm-hmm. So if they learn about Metallica through Miley Cyrus, it's only positive. Uh, I 100% agree. And, and yeah. to, to, to the point of your street credit argument, let me, let me, because this was forming like a little storm cloud in my head while you were talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me think of how to land this. I don't think Metallica is the band you cover in 2020 as big as they are. Yeah. They just did three years of stadiums and, and arenas, sold out, broke records. Yeah. Made, made one of their, made a critically acclaimed record that Squillion, sold. Squillions of dollars. Squillions of dollars squillions, were made. Yeah. However, having said that, you know when I think of when I think my favorite record this year, and this is no surprise to our listeners, is Taylor Swift's new record, Folklore. Right. However, I do think this album that and Taylor, for those of you who don't know, there's going to be no way for me to make this argument in the time we have, but she's super legit, and people who know know that yeah. she's a legit artist. For but sure. Her making Folklore with like the guy from the National. That right. was street cred. That 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 was a that was a a bid for street cred. I and think. working and, and working with uh, Jack Antonoff. If, if you're going to try to get yeah. street cred now, you're going to be wanting to work with Jack Antonoff, the guy from the National, Bon Iver, who's also on the album, Jack White. Right. We could we could we could probably come up with a list of twenty names right. that would be it's more very street calculated. Cred. I just think she I think she thought. And I, I know a lot of the people in her camp, but I've never really talked to them about this. But I think that she really was just making a record she wanted to make with her friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But her friends are like hip. Yeah, right. for sure. Metallica, you go see 50,000 people in the stadium, and what I'm about to say is going to sound ridiculous when you consider that. But I don't know how hip they are for someone like Miley Cyrus. Right. Well, it's like the Rolling Stones. They're not... It's not underground, cool. Right. They're, they're massively it's, commercial and successful. Yeah. And have been for a long time. It's like U2. Right. U2 turns a lot of people off because of how... How huge they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I will say, I can think of four people that whenever she puts this out... James, or even announce Lars... And Rob. And, and Jason. They're going to back it. <laughs> they're going to love it. Jason probably will, too. McGovney probably will like it. Oh, boy. T- tumbleweed. Oh, tumbleweed. Tumbleweed run. I don't know if there's enough gusto in this town I've never the two of us. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, you take your wakey breaky heart and you walk ten paces. I've never, I'm tumbleweed wrong. I've never seen a Miley Cyrus in these parts. I tell you what, I don't know what a Miley Cyrus is, but I know what a six-shooter is. I guarantee, especially... It's not about the climb. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was, that was a stretch. Let me I tell you it. something my papa told me when he was in the outhouse one day. He said, when the world turns right, you take a sharp left <laughs> into I'm, the nearest saloon. And then in through the never. I'm Tumbleweed Ron McGovney. <laughs> I love this new character. When did this pop up? Tumbleweed Ron. A couple Ron, episodes ago. You know, Tumbleweed, I, I, you know, we talked about this on the show, Ethan, but I'm excited to tell Paul about it. I got into a little bit of uh, metal jail from Tumbleweed Ron McGovney. What? What was it about, Ethan, that he, he uh, I got something wrong and he, he piped in. Oh, shoot. How did he contact you? Was it Twitter? Twitter. Yeah, yeah. he's been pretty cool on Twitter. Yeah. He actually, well, he listens to the podcast. No way. Yeah, we we knew he listened. When we did our bass players episode, we talked about all the bass players in Metallica. And sure. of course, there was a, a you know, a, a nice quaint 10, to 10 minutes on Ron at the beginning to yeah. honor his time in the band. And because we did all the gear too. 
There's only like two Ramagovni bases that we know of. Right. Right. From like pictures of the power metal demo or whatever. And when that episode came out, he tweeted at us that we got one of the bases wrong. Oh, wow. So he hears the episodes, but... That's so cool, man. It's super cool. So when he reached out to us, I was like, hey, Ron, because I just didn't know we were on his radar. And I was like, dude, we'd love to have you on. His Rondar. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) And he said that uh, he actually has a lot of hearing damage. And so he said he mostly reads lips. Wow. So it's kind of more of an in-person type vibe. Uh-huh. So my plan, well, pre-COVID, was for Ethan and I to do a road trip to North Carolina and just get in a room with him. Mm-hmm. You mean Ethan, you and me? Me and Ethan and this guy, Paul? Paul. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's, so that's Tumbleweed Run. Dude, yeah. HQ4, the three of us, masks, Lysol, hand sanitizer. <laughs> Almond butter. Gloves. Hazmat suits. Well, okay, so. What if we rented an RV to do that? When dude, you, dude, you know, you know what we could get real cheap right now. What's that? A tour bus. Ooh, probably. We could. I, I know people. I know people too. Yeah. Do you know that I tour? Yeah. Well, not recently. That's true. I haven't been on a tour bus since since right after Christmas. No, I have a I have a buddy who took his his family out on family vacation. They rented a tour bus because. It was that cheap? It was only $80,000. No. That's amazing. Well, you I mean, mean, gas is expensive. You were saying, Ethan, before that particular tangent, before Tumblewee Ron That's stepped right. into the saloon, <laughs> you were saying that uh, you know four people something. Yes. And Paul listed them, James, Lars, Kirk, and Robert. I think they're going to back this 100%. Oh, yeah, for I sure. I mean, when they did the thing with Lady Gaga, like Paul explained, I mean, they were all in. If someone like Miley Cyrus is, is going to cover a bunch of their songs for a full album... They're for sure going to be into it. Well, yeah. and here's the deal, too. I mean, their kids listen to Miley Cyrus. Especially Lars, you, yeah. I guarantee you their kids listen to it. And, you know, when they played, I don't know if it was when they played Pasadena. I don't know if this is before or after Post Malone moved to Utah. But they did some gig where Post Malone showed up because Post Malone's yep. a huge metal cat. Mm-hmm. So, Post Malone, that, so Post Malone showed I'm a massive Posty fan. So post- Posty. Posty. <laughs> well, that's what he's called, Ethan. If you were, if you were a Posty fan, well, I wasn't fan, sure if that know. was what his fans were called. Like, I'm Post Malone. These are my Posties. <laughs> <laughs> or they could be called his stamps or something. I don't know. So, I'm just riffing. Post, if you're listening, that's a suggestion. So he shows up at a gig, and he's as enamored with the band as we are. And they're like, if you're, if you're Post Malone and you say, can I meet James Hetfield? A lot of people are going to make that possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's interesting, because when we went to... Uh, What's the place that Preds play? Bridgestone. When we went to Bridgestone, I asked the person as I was going through security, can I meet James? And they right. were like, no. Well, they were like, are you in Posty's entourage? Are you post, are you post Malone? But, but post- I took a pen and drew a little, <laughs> little tattoo yeah. under my eye. I drew eye. a fucking wrecking ball yeah. on my face. Here, uh, here's one thing to, uh, to kind of ponder on. And this is kind of good. Go- pleases me much more. I would love to yes. ponder, of course. Please, please. But it kind of goes back to you know uh, the metal police in the world that were kind of upset about the Miley Cyrus news today. Um, it's possible. Okay. Hear me out, everybody in the world. It's Sasquatch. possible. You're going to talk about Sasquatch right now. Yeah. Right? So, so Sasquatch. <laughs> it's, it's in the northwest of the U.S. and Northern America. Um, no, but it's almost like people think it's impossible for someone like a Miley Cyrus to be a fan or yeah. a Lady Gaga to be a fan or a Post Malone to be a fan. Well, okay, Just because yeah. they do a different kind of music doesn't mean they're not fans. But, right. there, but there is... There is are they trues? Well, even me, Ethan and I wouldn't even be trues, not trues compared to the criteria. But there is a thing going on in culture where I can see how this could be a little confusing for someone where it's like really hip to pretend like 
the Kardashians wearing a Ride the Lightning shirt. Right, right. Yeah. Or what was the one? One of the Kardashians wore a shirt, and then the uh, band wore a shirt that said "Kill Kardashians." What was that? Yeah, who was that? That wasn't Metallica. It wasn't Metallica. It was. Uh, was that like Danzig or something? Oh boy, we better not get this wrong. The Danzig Police. Or no, you... I want to say it was one of the big four, like Slayer, like Carrie King, or something. Uh, maybe might have been Carrie King. That sounds like something Carrie King would it do. It does kind of sound. <laughs> it wasn't Carrie King, dude. I wish we could insert the sound of like a chain swishing. <laughs> like here comes Carrie I'm, King. I'm gonna do some fully art stuff. Plastic. Oh, I'm convinced they're plastic. Look, too. he looks like a very strong, capable man. However. He goes to Home Depot <laughs> and buys the plastic chains. And spray paints them uh, silver. And, and, and he, he's like, I'll take the plastic chains. This is how Kerry King talks, by the way. I'll take the plastic chains and I'll take the spray-on aluminum. <laughs> and, a, and a bottle of Jägermeister. <laughs> like, we don't sell Jägermeister. that at Home Depot. <laughs> Jägermeister. Like, we don't sell that at Home Depot, sir. Right you are. <laughs> Slipped my mind, it did. Well, okay, so... I think it's safe it's to say it's all good, is what we're saying. Now I'm I'm pumped for it. I am too. Man. Now what are what are the ch- so let's assume I think we should give her the benefit of the doubt first of all about being a fan to the point you guys were just making. It, if you're Miley Cyrus and you're like, because first of all, what's she thinking? I mean, is she thinking, well, slow year, weird year? I want to I want to do songs I fucking love. Okay, is she coming out with hits? Is she gonna dig deep? Mm. Is it going to be a mixed bag? What are, if you are Miley? Let's uh, Paul imagine it's be a whole album. Paul, imagine yourself being hit with a fire hose. You're wearing almost no clothing, and you're on a wrecking ball. I love which it. Metall- <laughs> this is like a Tuesday for you. Which Metallica songs are you doing? Because she wants people to hear it. She wants to express herself. She wants people to hear it. So yeah. she already covered nothing else matters. I was about to bring that up. It was. It, I'm going to say it's it's going to be the hits. It's probably going to be, but yeah. Well, I mean, obviously time will tell, but if, if anybody that's that's maybe time slightly a doubter of what's happening, go go on YouTube and look up Miles Harris, Nothing Else Matters, from Glastonbury uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. And she killed it. It's awesome. You know? So, if, you, so, so Sandman, Nothing Else Matters, bell, yes. Bells? But what if she comes out with, like, No Remorse or some shit, or no. Fade to Black, or... God, No Remorse would be sick. Oh, Fade to Black, I could see that. Trapped Under Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, man. Sweet Amber. I think what we have to do is divorce ourselves from the there there's with with any kind of pop celebrity, you have pop culture and then you have their art, right? Like take Madonna for example. Always in the news trying to push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. But there's the other side of it which is the songwriter, great pop productions. Miley's followed that path. Yeah, and there's no denying. You can go look up her. She does a cover in her backyard of Jolene from like ten years ago. Hmm. That is her and like a couple of band members all live, and there's no doubt in her talent in that moment. Mm-hmm. A lot of time that that gets overshadowed because she's swinging on a wrecking ball with no clothes on. Right. Hello. But my point is, she's definitely got. The chops oh, yeah. and the artistic absolutely ability to take any Metallica song and yeah. make it 
something that is cool for sure and she also uh, is is very tapped into somewhat underground music that's not necessarily the size of Metallica. Her, I think, what was those things called? The Backyard Sessions or whatever yeah. she did? There's that's what one, the Jolene thing was. Yeah, and there's one from a few yeah. years ago where it's her and Laura Jane Grace from Against Me. Yeah. And it was kind of like, what the hell is this? So she's clearly into some cool music. Like, I so think, what's, well, yeah, what's she's, the harm? She's, you know? probably, she's probably an Against Me fan. Like, a lot of kids her age are right. and were. Yeah. And then she probably met Laura Jane Grace and was like, this chick's cool. Right. And then they became buddies. And it's just a lot, it's the same logical extension that we would give to. There's a stigma around it because it's Miley Cyrus that course, I just yeah. don't think's fair. I don't yeah. think it's fair either. Well, and it's here, not fair. Here, here's Cut one thing down. to think about Billy, it's not fair. <laughs> also, just a reminder this is the first topic of things that we were going to just tangent about. Yeah. yeah. Just what, putting that out. What there. are we at? Were we at 90 minutes now? Yeah. So, uh, one thing I think it's important to kind of talk about is so i'm admittedly 41 Uh oh okay a youngster and so in i would say maybe a couple of years younger than me and above in terms of age you definitely defined yourself by the the style of music that you identified with that kind of drove the clothing that you wore the people you hung out with what you did with your time like i was a grunge era kid like i loved nirvana metallica soundgarden uh savage garden the toadies <laughs> i want to run with you in <laughs> the, the spice girls yeah. okay but what happened and and so i think it gets more polarized the older you get like when you have 70s punk like 1970s punk fans it was punk rock or nothing Okay. It was yeah. It was a way of life. It was absolutely yeah. It's kind of like the 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 thing we're supposed to watch tonight. The, Mur- murder in the front row. The yeah, pose. Yeah. Kill all the posers. That's totally. right. Yeah. Posers okay. must die. So, I think starting in my generation, our generation. So we had MTV, where if you wanted to watch the Nothing Else Matters video, you had to to sit there while they played Tupac, and mm-hmm. they played. Uh, color me bad beastie boys and you know whatever run dmc all different genres yeah because you had one channel with all these videos right yeah and then as you go down in age every generation past us it's all one big melting pot that they're getting there is no brand loyalty anymore right where it's like oh i'm punk rock punk rock till i die or i'm a metalhead it's yeah i love metallica i love you know, whatever, Post Malone. Post Malone is actually an example of a guy that has made a career in, you know, pop. But, dude, when he sung those Metallica songs from his pad in Vegas for that fundraiser. Oh, the Nirvana The Nirvana one. set. Yeah. Holy oh, shit. N- what, what did I say? Yeah, Metallica. 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 Nir- Nirvana. That's okay. We're doing a Metallica podcast. The Nirvana yeah. police no, were we Were we texting that day? Because yeah, that we, was, we all was were. incredible. For those Him of and you, Travis Barker. For those of you who don't know... Oh my God! We just got to set this up real quick because, yeah. I guess during lockdown, posty, posty, even I wanted to get you on this uh, vernac- vernacular here. He's a, he's a, he's locked down in his sweet pad in in, in Salt Lake. He gets Travis Barker, fame, Blink One Eighty Two fame, and other musicians who I, I sadly don't know. His band and they did uh, they did an entire set in Nirvana covers. So we're all watching the live stream. And we're like texting. It's like, what's this going to be? Is he going to you know? Post Malone eyes all these songs, 
Yeah. He played all of the songs completely faithful to the album. Yep. Very verbatim. It was amazing. It was great. Yeah. It was awesome. So, to my point of, I think that genre is kind of blurred in the youth of today. So you have someone like Miley that can be going down a Metallica lane. Yeah, she's versatile. When she's also into... You know the pop. I do. I do feel like the MTV little window that we we happened to grow up in was pretty special because for sure was yeah because that was the only way to see music. So you had to you had to be exposed to shit. It does seem like now you can tribalize more because you've got all these tech companies making specific algorithms to what you listen to. You don't have to listen to things you don't want to listen to anymore. Yeah, but my argument would be every young kid that I'm working with in the studio loves everything. Mm-hmm. They don't love, right. they're not right. loyal to one brand. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. how my niece, my, my niece is 16. That's how she is. Yeah. Like she went through, uh, and she still likes uh, Billie Eilish, but like she was like hardcore into her. And then out, out of nowhere, she's like listening to something on her phone. I'm like, what is that? She's like, oh, it's this EDM group. And I'm like, oh, right. okay. Like, she, yeah, but you're right. She doesn't have a, a frame of reference like we do where it's like, I got to stay up and watch Headbangers but Ball. Billie, right. But, but uh, uh, Billy Eilish tapped into this thing that I think Post Malone did too, that I think it scratched the same itch that like Axl Rose scratched mm. or David Lee Roth scratched. They're almost like these prototypical like singular voices, which is what David Lee Roth was, right? Mm-hmm. No one was like that guy. No one was like Axel. Right. right. There was a danger to it. There was something really magnetic about it that almost didn't have anything to do with the music. Yeah. And Billie Eilish kind of is that. Yeah. And to Paul's point, too, artists like Posty and there we go. Billie there Eilish, we go. they're that 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 product of all music that we really weren't. Right. You know, like they're also fans of everything. So that's why Billie Eilish but is I doing s- some cool, like, you know across the board genre kind of music and then doing like a, a, a James Bond movie uh, the theme song, the theme yeah. song or whatever um, yeah I mean I, 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 I'm with you Paul on that where you have someone like her that is of the generation that is fans of so many yeah. styles of music and not kind of limited to like I'm a punk rocker I'm a, a metalhead or a true or whatever which I don't know where I, f- I fall on what I like more because I love the idea of like a diehard Metallica fan, you know, denim jacket, Budweiser, you know, like the, the stereotypical, like... Bud heavy, for sure. You know what I'm saying? But I'll tell you this much, as a kid, with the oversized jeans and the chain wallet and the wife beater and my guitar, waiting for the Metallica video to come on MTV, Right. I, I definitely didn't turn away from the screen when SWV came on. Or, oh, Sisters of Voices? Yeah. yeah. Or uh, <laughs> In Vogue. In Vogue. I loved In Vogue. Oh, yeah. Dude, For your mind. That. I think I, I think I, I don't know, how do I say this, like in the graphic? I think I became a man <laughs> um, watching uh, watching an In Vogue video. Oh, I had, I had some cru- crushes going the, on. What a them. man, what a man, what a mighty good yeah. man. Their crossover with uh, the Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper, and, yeah. and, Well, and Spinderella. Well, she's a part of salt. She's a part of salt and pepper. But there, but there's something about. And I'm going to tie this into a James thing for a second. There is something about like even if you are that tribal thing, there's a there's a time, and maybe it's an invoke video, but there's a time when you got to grow up. And yeah. I'm reminded of this is a story that James Hetfield told. Uh, just in case you're wondering which James I'm talking about, I thought James Cameron. But... 
<laughs> this is a great story about Jaws. I was this thinking is a great James Madison. Or not Jaws, this is a great story about Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is a great story about Terminator 2. But uh, no, James talks about how after they made Lightning, or maybe this was even after Puppets, they were starting to crack into something, but they were still at a place where they could like go to a like go to the forum mm-hmm. or go go to the Fillmore or something and watch a show, and then there might be a little buzz. I'm like, that's the Metallica guys, but they could still go to a show, right? Which has been over for 30 years now for them, right? And he talks well, about they went to an Echo Brain show. <laughs> well, that's, that's James true. didn't, <laughs> but Echo Brain's the future. Metallica's, Metallica's the, past. the past. That is one of the saddest moments in Metallica history. <laughs> it really is. is Lars watching that show and going, "They're the future." Yeah. He's like when, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger now. When he's like, oh, that's Todd. He works at the studio. Oh, he works there too. Todd, Todd. <laughs> that was kind of Bob Rock instigating a little yeah. bit. He, the work, way. he works for us. No. You, you said that was set up at one point. It seems set up, right? I don't know. Well, oh, yeah, that's Billy. No, they talk about that, Zach. It's about Zach, yeah. Zach, that's and, right. And he goes, Zach. And they act like Zach blew him off. He's like, see, he's blowing us off too. It's like, it, They're playing right. the cameras. They are, yeah, for sure. No, but check this out. James talks about being at a show and a true, right, one of these Murder in the Front Row Ruthie's End guys came up and spit on James and basically saying, who knows what the fucking problem was? Maybe the problem was they were touring with Ozzy. Maybe the problem was they did, they did fade to black. Who know? who can even tell with these people? Right. But a guy was mad enough. He came and spit on James. Now in my mind's eye, if you spit on James, he kills you. <laughs> the the yeah. guy that hunts bears and shit. He ends yeah. your life. Yeah. But he did this interview where he talked about it and I thought it was really cool where he was like, he spit on me and I wanted to kill him. And I think at this point they were traveling with like security a little bit and he had a mm-hmm. security guy that maybe wanted to kill this guy. And he's like, but instead I just, I just let it pass because he, it was almost like he pitied the guy. Wow. Because he's like, you have to grow up, bud. Wow. If you're mad enough to spit on me and this is before the black album, bro. This is before fucking Mary and faithful on memory remains. Right. Dude. <laughs> This is before they this brought is before right. this, is before they, this is before they brought the lonely. Lula. This is before the hurdy gurdy player made his entrance into Metallica's right, world. Right. You know, and hey, let this be the second podcast that I'm throwing my hat in the ring for Lulu. I'm I'm down for the Lulu episode. Oh no, we we've talked uh, talked about this in private that you need to be a part of it because I don't know if me and Clint can get through it by ourselves. Can I you wanna... say one one song's like Junior Dad's eighteen minutes. Long. No, no, it's like twenty eight minutes. Ugh. So. All right. That'll be a night where we just, we open up bottles of liquor and we spend the night here. Next order of business. Next order of business to talk about. Yeah. So they've been doing these so what interviews. So this guy, Stefan Shirazi, who's worked with the band forever, he does these like really pretty cool, candid roundtable interviews once a year. And because he's so comfortable with the boys and they're comfortable with him, he honestly asks some pretty intense questions. Yeah. Like... So they, they're staggering them. So James's was first, then Kirk's just got released, and that's what we're going to talk about. Then it'll be Robert and then Lars. And he's asking them, including James, about James going to rehab, about sobriety. This uh, this uh, new stint? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The James one just came out, like, what, maybe a month ago? They're I three haven't weeks. heard that. They're, doing them, they're yeah. doing them two weeks apart. So James's came out October 1st. Kirk's came out a couple of days ago. Mm. Now, what I find so interesting about Kirk... But listening to a Kirk interview can almost be like you're biting your nails a little bit because it you're just really hoping he lands everything right, he starts right, right. because he's honestly he's kind of like me he's a little bit erratic um so he's talking to Kirk and it's so nice to hear Kirk it's, Kirk does not sound like a polished publicity machine mm-hmm. yeah. Kirk almost sounds like he might be a, liabil- a liability for Q Prime right you know and uh 
it was interesting. Kirk, one of the things Kirk talked about is he feels like his playing has only gotten better in the last three years. And Stefan says, I feel like you've been playing better than you have in 20 years. He says that to Kirk. Wow. And he's like, do wow. you agree? And Kirk does agree with him. And Kirk talks about how he practices every day. And he, and before lockdown, Kirk did a, a big um, uh, uh, Peter Green special with right. old OG Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Right. Where like David Gilmore was there. Steven Tyler was there. Mick Fleetwood put the whole thing on. Yep. Um, Steven Tyler of, of Red, White, and You? <laughs> Red, White, and You fame. He actually wow. performed Red, White, and You. Amazing. And it's interesting hearing Kirk talk about all that because, like, Pete Townsend was there, and Kirk Kirk talks about how he just became a big fan of The Who, like, after all this time. Wow. So he gets obsessed with The Who, which I'm going through a big Van Halen thing. I can, I can understand that, like, late in life, later in life. Like, Kirk should have been into The Who, you would think. Right. And he talks about Pete Townsend, like, complimenting him. And it was so cool because it's like, Kirk just seems like he never really quit being a fan of all this stuff. Right, yeah. I get that. And isn't that what sure. we kind of imagine we would be like if we became like Kirk Hammett? I hope so. I hope that you would stay a fan of music. I yeah. mean, it seems like all those dudes are. The kind of stuff they do like outside of Metallica, or especially someone like Lars, who's always kind of tapped into like what's happening in popular music and back to the Lady Gaga thing. It's like mm, Lars is a fan of Metallica. He is he's Metallica's biggest fan. He's Metallica's biggest fan, for sure. Rob is a fan of music. He for sure is. As is James. <laughs> Absolutely. As is Kirk. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> but they're not, What I'm, my, my point is, they're not like, oh, we just listen to metal. And so, right. You know, I mean, fucking Mama Said is on a Metallica record. Well, I mean, one of the things that he said in the interview was, Stefan says, when you did the Pandemica show where they did that drive-in gig, mm-hmm. so they, they hadn't played a show in almost a year. And they they don't live in the you know we we joke about this they're not like the Ghostbusters coming down the fucking fire pole, they, I think they do like a weekly Zoom call and other than that they live a you know separate lives. Right. And so Stefan's like, when you guys got together, were you worried that it wouldn't click? And Kirk is like, no. He's like, no, it always clicks. We're a band. And wow. he's like, he's like the only time it. He actually says this interview. He's like, the only time it doesn't click is if we're not holding instruments. Like if we're like having a meeting or a phone call, sometimes it doesn't click, that that magic. He was like, but when we have instruments on, it always clicks because that's what a band is. Mm-hmm. And he makes this statement, and and by the way, we don't have any notes for this episode. Some people are like, yeah, we know. Zero. I'm not like quoting the interview. I just read it today. And he goes, he's like, that's what a band is. A band is when you have chemistry when you're playing music. And mm-hmm. he's like, that might be all that a band is. Meaning... What I felt like he was kind of speaking to was, we're not like kicking it in our private time when we're not making music. I love that. Dude. Me too. And some bands do do that. Or think think about that same. Uh, that I don't know about a band that's been together as long as they have. Right, yeah. but think but think about a band like Oasis at at a, at a certain point and oh, they're super tight. But just so tight. <laughs> no, but what I'm to to Kirk's point, I mean for. Even while they were still an active band making records, I mean, the Gallagher brothers were just at each other constantly. Yeah. But when it came time to throw the instruments on and make the music and play the show, it was fucking magic. Yeah. What is it that resonates with you about that, Paul? Music ascends to a higher level than the stuff that we're pitting each other against each other mm-hmm. with. Does that make sense? So, so, like, a band like Metallica, they don't have to agree on... Uh, the stuff that is the daily talk, especially now, you know, about which side of the fence you're on about the virus or... Right. Because I, I think it's a divided camp on that, honestly. Totally. 
the virus, p- politics, yeah. all that. You can have four individuals that are all at different places across the spectrum, but what brings you together is the music. So yeah. when he says, when we have instruments in our hand, we're fine, but it can get a little weird without, yeah. I totally track with that. Yeah, Because well, uh, just me personally, you know, opening back up the studio in, in June, man, the amount of people that have come through here and the difference in views on politics, on what's happening with the virus, what's happening in America right now, all of that is different every day. Mm-hmm. But the thing that continues to bond everyone while we're working is the music. It's one of the reasons that we could not have had this conversation without us all holding guitars right now, which we're doing. That's right. <laughs> I've got a bass on. But... <laughs> it's the same no, thing that, J- that, that on, on the, the many shows we saw on the last tour that, you know, James is a whole rant about like music is what brings us together. We don't care yeah. what religion you are, what's between your legs. We don't care what political party right. you're flitted with. Right. Like, I mean, that, 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 to me, that's, that's truly what powerful music is. Absolutely. I've been going through, obviously, because of Eddie Van Halen's passing, uh, and this is very to my personality. You guys know this. A lot of our listeners know this. Just on obsessive. a deep, on a deep, yeah, I, I am obsessive. I am obsessive. Uh, there's a great Charles Bukowski quote that I love where he says, find what you love and let it kill you. So how close to death are you? Um, I will die of Van Halen tomorrow morning, I think. <laughs> oh, so you listen to Gary Sharon's Van Halen. I love Van Halen 3. I actually like Van Halen 3. That's of how crazy I Of course you would, of course, I mean, what am I going to not like Van Halen 3? It's, okay. Ed, it's Eddie Van Halen playing guitar. But so, okay, so I've been devouring all the Van Halen books. Sure. Like... You know the Amazon packages keep showing up, and I'm like, it's another Van Halen. Oh, so you're, you're like, Sorry. you're ordering these. You don't already yeah. have them, okay? No, I mean, I, I don't think I was a big enough fan to like read their books. Okay, you know, I was a big fan of Van, Van Halen one, a big fan of I love. I mean, because of my age, Wait, the Hagar shit. You got to be a Hagar fan because huge, of our age. Huge Hagar. Huge, oh yeah, I, I think I'm more of a Hagar guy. You have to be. Yeah, yeah, because of MTV and because of our age. Right. And, and right that's now, what I try to tell people I've got. <laughs> I've got older friends that are like, dude, it's Roth or nothing. I'm like, I ah, get fuck that. that. No, no, here's the deal. So, uh, to use Clint as a quote, pound for pound. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> there it is. Pound for pound. I agree. David Lee Roth era Van Halen is the best Van Halen. But I am a Hagar era Van Halen fan. Right. Because when I came on the scene was foreign lawful carnal knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right now, which, by the way, you totally missed uh, an opportunity right there for two worlds colliding. (laughs) Clint's quote, plus referencing that album, Uh Pound Cake for Pound Cake. Pound Cake for Pound Cake. (laughs) It's judgment judgment day, baby. I'll tell you what, to to your point, I have been camped out in the DLR era because Uh of the power. But today I was running. Uh, at my house because I have <laughs> with the devil I have an industrial grade elliptical machine in my studio now <clears throat> Ethan's seen it dude it, in the studio it's in my studio because we couldn't get it up into my bedroom might I add when I stood next to it the top of the machine is taller than me and it's I'm like one you four. see at the YMCA because we because I'm, I'm because I don't want to go to the gym and and endang- right. endanger my family from the virus but I watched today <laughs> on the elliptical I watched the live Van Halen. So I watched two live Van Halen shows today. Uh-huh. I watched 1982, a Diver Down era tour show. And it was all the explosive 
energetic, crazy, raw energy of the DLR era. Yeah. But it was pretty it was pretty weird. Yeah. Because DLR was just insane. All over the place. Then oh, I yeah. watched the live right here, right now on the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge tour where yep. they open with they open with pound cake yep. with the drill. Yes. Yeah. Which and he's not just it's not a gimmick. No, he's, he's playing. playing. He's playing the drill. And it's way better. I mean, it's slicker, it's okay, cleaner. Li- can and I make the- an argument real okay. quick? Please, and I please. Never, I never thought I would be making an argument for David Lee Roth okay, I'm curious. against Sammy Hagar because I'm a Van Hagar era kid. But you got to remember, David Lee Roth existed in an era where he was only playing to the audience. Mm-hmm. Even when they were recording, that was such a rare thing in that time period. Like, we've grown up, anytime there's a camera going on, it's like, oh, way more people are going to be watching this than are going to be hearing this. Mm-hmm. David Lee Roth existed in an era where it was like that the record, and then you went out and toured, and it was about projecting to the people in front of you. Yeah. So he was being as acrobatic and crazy. Oh, yeah. As possible, he's still like that, and, and he and, and it it is magic. I mean, it's magical. He comes out and does this thing before. I, so, I watched the show from '82. Like I said, the Diver Down tour. So, Pretty Woman is the big single. The, it's the album Eddie hated because it's mostly covers. Right. And yeah, yeah. It was. Co- I heard they were they were forced to make that record. Well, they they put out Pretty Woman just as a standalone single, not thinking it would do anything. Well, because they, they were going to take a break. They were right. going to take a break, yeah. famously, and that song went so crazy. They had that the, 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 the Warner Brothers was like you you know hey kid it was like b- music business shit they were like we need a record we need a vehicle so they didn't have any material right so it's it's a bunch of covers a couple instrumentals and then a, a couple of decent originals but on that tour I guess they uh, he comes out and does Ice Cream Man and it's just him and you could tell he can barely play guitar but it's just him and he tunes it open so he can make easy chords and he does this whole riff about. A music critic telling him they weren't going to be anything, and he does this has this whole moment where he's like, "Hey," and I don't know where that guy is tonight. He's like, "Bling bling bling." He's like, "I don't know where that guy is tonight, but I'm right here." And the crowd's <laughs> like, "It's you know, it's like eighteen thousand kids." Yeah. And he's like, "And you know what?" He's like, "I get it, man." He's like, "Bling bling bling," I get it, man. <laughs> I just want to say wherever you are right now, man, wherever you are out there, man, bling bling bling. Fuck you. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Like, he just had this amazing he charisma. He tapped yeah, into this crazy thing. Yeah. And then I will say, watching the Sammy Hagar show was really slick. Yeah. Really slick. But I kind of like that, dude. That's they, what the Hagar era was, man. It was all, like. After like three. Dude, they, they do Pound Cake with a drill, then they do Judgment Night yeah. or Judgment Day or whatever. Yeah. Barn Burner, Barn Burner, Kill You, Kill You. Eddie's bing, boom, bing, boom, tapping and all of it. Lights go down, and you hear the synths going. Dun, 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 Dude, dun. dreams? No, uh, when it's love. Oh, when it's from love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> That's why can't this be love? Oh shoot! It's it's a that's common on, mistake. That's on fifty one fifty. Common mistake. I, I heard an Eddie Van Halen interview where he confused those two songs as well. Well, thanks. Okay. <laughs> how do we tie this in Metallica? Well, they toured well, Metallica once, but they did. Uh, yeah. No, here's how Monsters we tie it in: is that it's a whole era that to be honest they're getting older you know we got to face the facts that rock is not immortal yeah you know right what 
Huh? Yeah. Excuse me? Wait, I think ACDC is putting out a new album. Uh, the single's fucking Dude, it awesome. Is awesome. You I sent, sent it, it to us. you guys, yeah. Yeah. It's really fucking good. How have they not already called an album Power Up? <laughs> Doesn't that seem like some sort of rock yeah, miracle? Yeah, they did that right. in like 79. <laughs> alternating current director and what we call a record on the back and black. But, but, but check this out, though. To your point about Van Hagar versus DLR, uh-huh. and I do think one of the reasons I brought Van Halen up is we were talking about a band is a band. When a band is putting their instruments on and playing songs, they're a band. And it doesn't matter what the fuck's happening backstage or what's happening ideologically, or Lars is in Marin County sending his kids to school and he's scared of the virus. James is in Vail shooting all sorts of animals and he maybe he, he doesn't think the virus is that big a deal. I don't right. know. When they're when they're playing Master of Puppets, who gives a fuck? Right. Yeah. And Van Halen is the epitome of that because in these books I've been reading, yep. that shit was not going well. Dude, they're like on the 1980s. They're on their biggest tour ever, making the most money ever. And things are really bad. Mm-hmm. In the band. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so that's how we'll tie that in. But the DLR versus Van Hagar thing, is anyone ever tempted to do that with ACDC? Like, I'm Bon Scott, I'm Brian Johnson. I feel like they were one of those bands that seamlessly, like 1979, Highway to Hell, Bon Scott. Yeah. Greatest rock album ever, maybe. 1980, uh-oh, new singer. Yeah. Greatest rock album ever? Maybe. Well, I think death, uh, death plays into that. You know, <laughs> no, it does. I mean, I mean, no pun intended, but it's like, wait, it gets a little, true. No, it gets a true. little weird with Van Halen. Well, where like, it's yeah, like if, if if David Lee Roth had, you guys had passed just away, couldn't get along, you know, and so you have a different singer right. comes like, and when the regular singer's off on the beach, you know, but he was out doing fucking California girls and yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah. Like Vegas, yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's a good point. A good point. I mean, regardless, it, it's insanely hard for uh, either band of that popularity to replace your lead singer it's unheard of right it doesn't happen often yeah you know but i mean van halen and acdc are the two examples of like well it can happen but it's it's very there's got to be there's got to be more right <clears throat> is that it well i mean i'd have to think. Oh, oh. fleetwood mac i mean uh genesis peter gabriel to yeah. phil collins yeah yeah and Fleetwood Mac, yeah, but they, I mean, they but, changed styles. But that was Genesis, completely different band, yeah. Genesis also too kind of changed styles. Yeah, they did. They did. That's right. I, I, I can't think, dance. I love I can't dance. It's a little bit more forgivable of a, an environment. Like you, you weren't cemented in one. Things could be moldable back then. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, I mean, think about Aerosmith from the seventies to eighties Aerosmith so to nineties Aerosmith so to Red White and You. But however. And and this really does go back to when this shit hits you at what age you are because what's our Aerosmith record? Nineties. But what's the album called? Uh, get, 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 a, a get a grip. Get a grip. See, I'm I'm, a, I'm a little our, earlier. You're you're probably a permanent vacation cat. Uh, pump. pump oh, okay. Pump. Right. Pump. pump yeah, yeah. Permanent vacation. Late eighties is when I got yeah. at Aerosmith. Because, but I bet for me and Paul, for me, it's for me, it's, uh, it starts with get a grip. No, I'll tell you exactly where it starts for me. Alicia Silverstone <laughs> and Liv Tyler. <laughs> Now, the crazy are we video? talking? Well, is it crazy, crying, or amazing? Uh, I think they were in all three. It's crying, then it's crazy, then it's amazing. See, for me, it was the living on the edge video where Steven Tyler's naked and holding his little penis and balls. He's painted like half black, he's half white. Something wrong with? I like. Even as a kid, I was like, "What's going on yeah. here, man?" Dude, you Edward know when Furlong's uh, in the video? When when Joe Perry's in front of the train, he gets out of the wow, train. Wow, wow, wow. Such just in bad time. graphics. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. And he was on MTV and Tabitha Soren's like, how did you do that? And he's like, it's movie magic, man. Movie magic, movie magic. I can't tell you. You know what he should have said? You. you know what he should have said? He should have said, I barely made it. <laughs> I barely made it. You know it. what, Tabitha? You saw the footage. You know what, Tabitha? I barely made it. 
<laughs> okay. Hey, by the way, people I follow on Instagram today, right now. Let's hear it. Tabitha Soren. Uh, Serena Olson. Joe Perry. Uh, Matt Pinfield. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, Dan Cortez. Downtown Julie Brown. Yeah, nice. From uh, Club MTV. Uh, what's the other one? What was the nerdy guy's name? Kurt, oh, Kurt Loader. Kurt, 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 Kurt Loader. Loader. Uh, Kurt Loader's like yeah. 74 yeah. years old, by the way. I follow all them. On, he's like a legit He's a legit journalist. Oh, yeah, he's oh, yeah, a journalist. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he is. Wow. What about Daisy Fuentes? Ah, she, uh, she, nah. Looking... Oh, come about on. to follow right now. No, no, man. Daisy Fuentes was like Jenny McCarthy. She wasn't no, like... No, 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 no. She wasn't like Jenny McCarthy. Daisy Fuentes was good. All right. Oh, okay. I, I, see I remember Daisy. her more as like a singled out yeah, type. Exactly. Chick. That's what I'm saying. She wasn't... No, like, uh, well, I'm thinking like wild, wacky Jenny McCarthy. Like, I'm talking about singled out. I'm talking about... Yeah. Well, I'm talking Daisy about Daisy Fuentes. Fuentes. Daisy Fuentes was like spring break hot chick. How about... And? Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, she's not. She's, she's not gorgeous. Uh, oh, I forgot about one, Ricky Rockman. Ricky hey, Rockman. You yeah. guys are all forgetting about my little lady with the horn rimmed glasses, Kennedy. 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 But Adam Curry. Mm-hmm. He was like the first like pre Headbangers Ball like teased yep. hair metal looking guy with a leather jacket on. Uh, what was that guy that won the competition? Jesse. 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 Oh, uh, he was horrible. But then the guy that yeah. was second place and actually ended up becoming. Kind of a guy that Jesse dude went like missing for a number of years. And then, well, yeah, he died, he died of heroin after he got the gig. No way. No, I don't no, he's, know. no, he's still alive, but he he legitimately <laughs> went missing. Tangent City. He's still, he's still shooting heroin into like in between his toes. I think. Okay, now here's another metallic thing we can talk okay. about. Okay, we're out on the front porch. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on, one, one more. Duff. Duff. Karen Kagan. Karen Duffy. No. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was kidding. She was kind of like she's a little more like Butch a little bit. Canceled. Oh, yeah, Canceled. Yeah, yeah. Had a crush on her. She was super Canceled. 90s. Uh, Can't say that. Uh, singles yeah, yeah. era looking haircut and stuff. That was that had to have been around that era when they started, uh, what was the reality show? The, the, re- the Real World. The real oh, The Real World, world. Yeah. 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 Another time that I think Clint became a man. I, I, I just, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Garbage video. Shirley yes. Manson. No, you're talking about me, dude. For the song Queer. Queerest of the queer and the strangest of the strange. There's a segment in that video where she ties. It's all from the point of view of a guy on his back being tied down. And she like pulls her hair down and she ties him up. And then she like cuts all of his hair. But it's a very, you know, you know what song I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And the video, it's a very sexy sequence. It's about cosmetology. And and this is, (laughs) this is, this is the time when I used to tape MTV off live MTV onto VHS. Oh, yes. I would tape my favorite videos. Not to trade, not for public consumption, for Clint Boy. Yeah. For Clinty Clint Clint. Oh, somewhere in my parents' house is a wardrobe full of VHS cassettes that are all MTV award shows. Why are they in I think we just figured out what we're doing for the next year yeah. of Metal Up Your Podcast. <laughs> Dude, you want to see a blurry version of uh, freaking- Of Nir- Yeti? Of Sasquatch? Of, of uh, Nirvana's bassist, Kirk Nivacelic. Kirk Nivacelic, yeah. Uh, hitting himself in the face with the bass. You taped that off the MTV Music Awards? 100% live. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that performance en- ended with Dave Rill going, Hey, Axel! Where is yeah. Axel? Hey, yeah, hey Axel! Axel yeah. Because they, they were in a big feud They were in a big year. feud right there, yeah. Okay, so we're in front of the smokestack where we did about an hour of marriage talk, <laughs> which we kind of agreed afterwards maybe should have been a podcast. I think it would have helped more people probably, than everything we've been talking about for the last hour. Probably would have helped a lot of people. But one of the things that happened out there in that convo 
was Paul goes, Paul's like, man, here's the deal with justice, man. <laughs> Here it comes. He's like, look, and he's like real confessional. He's like, look, here's the deal about justice, meaning and justice for all the beloved metallic album. <laughs> he goes, I just don't like to listen to it, man. I try to try to run with it. And it's, it's just, and, and you're of course referring to the, you know, infamous production issues with lack of bass and the, the tinny frequencies. So we burn all that down. We're ribbing him. We're giving him shit. We're like, how can, you know, this is a metallic, we're about to do a metallic podcast. What do you mean you can't listen to justice? Yeah. And I'm like, Hey man, but you're like, but that's the one I don't have on vinyl. And I'm like, well, even though you just said that, I was like, I got a, I got a duplicate of justice. You want it immediately? He's like, yep. Yep. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> I would love it. So I can't listen to I it. I can't listen to it. Uh, I can't stand listening to it. You want it? Yep. Of course I do. Of course. Yeah. Can I defend myself? Uh, I mean, I think people. Uh, sure. All I do all day is listen to music. Yeah. And I'm trying to make it as sonically pleasing as possible. I'm not dissing the, the songwriting, the musicianship. All of it is A+. plus. It's just hard <laughs> to listen to. Yeah. And for me, I told you, Whiskey in a Jar, I would listen to that a hundred times in a row because it sounds so... I can run to... I could literally put Whiskey in a Jar on repeat and run five miles. We, we've talked about it a lot on the show. I mean, sonically, the Bob Rock era, minus the one stinky do. <laughs> minus the one stinky doo-doo. Yeah. The sacrificial right. lamb. <laughs> right. The, the, the Black Album, of course, we're talking about. But but all joking aside, yeah, Black Album, Load, Reload, Garage, Inc. And I would maybe I'll throw SNM one in there. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are the... Other than the Mutt Lang, like, other than Highway to Hell... And back in black, mm-hmm. and maybe Pyromania or something. Pyromania, yeah. Those are just the greatest sounding rock albums ever. Yep. So, but here's what I want to talk about about that. Okay. There's this problem when you make music for a living, which all three of us do somehow in this time. There's a trade off, and I I remember knowing this was going to happen when I was still learning. I started learning how to play guitar when I was 12. My best friend was 13. He got a guitar. And he, I quit seeing him. He, I didn't see him for like six months. Mm-hmm. The only reason I started playing guitar is because I wanted to hang out with my friend again. That's the story of me getting a guitar. So I'm 13. We're getting into it. And we start, we're just learning everything we can. We're just reading Tab. Tab was mysterious to us. Oh, yeah. I couldn't like listen to Wonderwall and pick it out. I had to like put my fingers where the numbers said. And it was almost like a magic trick. I didn't know what chords were or anything. It really is, yeah. But well, I, You, you could have just watched the video. <laughs> Just pull up YouTube. Man. I loved that video, but here's what I noticed early on, and this is something that I that ties into what you're talking about mm-hmm. with justice, and I think it's something we struggle with that I think is interesting. I realized early on that when I learn how to play a song, and then I listen to it, all I'm hearing is where my fingers go, mm. and the connection I was making was I'm trading something about my raw enjoyment of this music by peeking behind the curtain. Absolutely. And I remember yeah. my mom, someone in my family for a birthday present, I was big into Pink Floyd when I was 13. They gave me the tab book for the wall. And it wasn't one of those like little chord books. It was like the tab for the wall. So I could learn how to play comfortably numb exactly the way mm-hmm. David Gilmore plays it. And I remember leaving it in the corner of my room for like six months because I was scared to learn it because wow. I, didn't, I didn't want my experience listening to it to change. Oh, right? yeah. Now that okay. was when I was 13. Because I guess I'm a fucking genius or something. <laughs> but but no, I had that fear. I don't even think I could have articulated it then. Right. But what you're describing about your inability to enjoy justice, 
because we see this a lot with the podcast of people saying, and people say this about St. Anger too. They're like, I guess there's a problem with the snare, but I don't know. They're just kind of hearing it in a pure way. Yeah. And there's something about you doing what you do every day, which is make albums sound good. That really is like a roadblock for you to enjoy justice. And what is that? And how do what do you do about it? Well, I, I totally track with a lot of what you're saying. And I think that, um, when it comes to like the tablature of comfort, comfortably numb and that kind of thing, I think that subconsciously I've kind of held myself back from learning a lot of like there's certain session players I work with that you could be like, you know, play this riff and they know it exactly. They've researched exactly how the dude played the riff on the record. Right. He's talking about me. I was yeah. going to say, leave Ethan out of it. Yeah, yeah. Ethan's right there, dude. You can just talk to him if you want. <laughs> when I record here, it's usually on, uh, lately been on bass and I just play Chili Peppers riffs while we're waiting to do the next take. That's true. And they're always accurate. You're like, hey, I think Thank I'm going to do higher ground for this one. Does that work? Is that cool? <laughs> it's like a ballad. <laughs> but I think there, there's a part of me that wants to, uh, like that stuff is sacred to me. And That's so what learn, I'm talking about, yeah. Learning the inner workings of a Beatles song. Like, I, there's some, I can play like a general version of most Beatles songs, but have I really gone back and looked at like how they voiced the chords, what they were actually saying? No. Why does learning how to do it, why does learning how to do it make it less magical? That seems like some sort of horrible axiom. Sometimes to I me, do, I really don't know the answer. To that. Sometimes to me, it, it becomes more magical because it's something that are especially the older I get. If I learn, let's say, whatever Metallica riff, and I think I've been playing it right all these years, and then I find out I haven't, mm-hmm. and then that kind of opens up the floodgates of like, okay, wow, that's actually harder to play, and. James is singing over that. It makes you appreciate it more. It does. Yeah. Absolutely does. It doesn't point. doesn't ruin anything for me. It, it makes me appreciate I'll, it more. And I'll say that only happens when I can't do it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm going to try to learn the spit out the bone thing. And then I'm like, oh, I can't do it. Then I'm like, wow, I can really appreciate it. Well, but when for, I think more like I was just the guy in high school that when I had a cover band, it was like, I'd learn just enough of the song where people would know. I was the same way. That's what the song was. Uh, yeah, it's called the first three chords to more than words. Right, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, give me an acoustic right well, now. So, so the guy I mentioned that got the guitar before me, my best friend, and then I got the guitar just so mm-hmm. I could keep hanging out with him. He's one of these guys who could listen to an Ingve Malmsteen song and then learn the tab, and then he could do it. He could like sweet pick. Right. It was all very clean. Oh, poor guy. I was the guy who would kind of do bastardized versions of everything. I was like, he, you know, he was kind of hard on me. He was like, he always called me like a sloppier player. And I, I took that pretty hard for a long time. But now I realize like my inability to like parrot it all is I think what made me interesting as a professional musician. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're kind of getting at. Like I could always approximate well, it, but if you devote all your time to it, that's a certain kind of player. I think that maybe some of it is your subconscious saying, I, I don't want to mimic someone else. I want to be my own thing. Mm-hmm. And right. so I appreciate that. I want to know enough of it to like have fun, but I'm not going to devote myself to learning every bend in Comfortably Numb. Well, I'll tell you what, that's not what Eddie Van Halen did. And he talks about, you know, Vernon Reed mm-hmm. in Living Color. Oh, yeah. I tried to learn that. I just couldn't figure out what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> yeah. And that and that's one of his more simpler parts. Because that's yeah. one that's one of the that's one of those songs where for you guitar players <clears throat> out there, 
you can read the tab and do the tab, but it does not sound like what he's doing. Nope. Because it's a combination of like his spirit and his personality and also his weird sound. He had a kind of a weird sound. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But Vernon Reed tweeted after EVH died and he said, uh, when you pick up your guitar today to pay tribute to Eddie, don't play like him, play like you. Wow. That's the tribute to Eddie. Because that's what Eddie did. Yeah. Eddie talks about, he's like, I don't know how to do anything right. That's why I sound like me, because I don't know how to do all the things that I... His his most famous guitar, he didn't know how to do right. But it worked for him, and he figured it out. And once he got to the point where, oh, that's what I want to sound like, I'll stop there. You know what I mean? Sorry, go ahead. I'm saying that that, that, that was his whole philosophy. I hate it when you guys fight. He wasn't... Paul! He wasn't... (laughs) But but, he wasn't a a luthier. he that's, wasn't that's a luthier. Eddie Van Halen's not a luthier. He, he wasn't in the band. He wasn't man. in he quit the, the fucking band. band. <laughs> can we just say, just can we pause for a minute and say luthier is like a medieval throat? Like luthier. Luthier. Well, send the, him to the luthier. Lower the drawbridge, send out the archers, and anoint the luthiers. <laughs> hey, so we'll end with this because we all are, are part of what we're about to talk about. And it'd be a nice thing to end on and a neat shirt to have, Ethan. It would be, yeah. I'm in. And speaking of being yourself, because you can't be anything else. So one of the other things we talked about outside is, so for those of you who don't know Smokestack, Smokestack is this um, amazing place. It's a magical place. It is, yeah. Filled Um, with luthias. (laughs) When you walk into the Smokestack, you're first greeted by a very comfortable, very cool living room situation. It's kind of like a foyer, a foyer, if you will. Sure. There is a kitchen area, a little table area. There's a whole room that's kind of a mixing room. Mm-hmm. What do you call that room? The mixing room. Studio B. Look at me, I nailed it. <laughs> when you go through the doors, you walk into like the true magical room which we're in now, which is the the room that the console's in. The control and, room. And yeah. the control room. There's shit everywhere. There's guitars, there's instruments, there are computers, there are lights, there's gear. Beyond that, beyond the glass, is the is the live room, a tracking room. And then there's little rooms and ancillary rooms all around there with amps and vocal booths and all that. So Paul is in the mixing room. He tells me, mixing a little Lunar Satan song called Pig Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the main room is track. Uh, there's a tracking session of like uh, like a religious album, uh-huh. like a, a Christian album. Yep. And I just love the idea of, <laughs> talk about this, Ethan. Two worlds colliding. <laughs> uh, so what's that experience? Because you are mixing Lunar Satan. Yep. And right. I was By the producing way, the record. And you're producing the, the religious album. The worship album. The Lunar yeah. Satan stuff that Paul has mixed so far that I have heard, which is very minimal, but what I have heard sounds amazing. Well, I turned in the last song today to Paul to yep. mix. So it. nine out of the ten songs are mixed, and then the tenth is to be mixed. And yep. Ethan, you did the drums on eight of them. So I believe you. <laughs> you did. Uh, so this project is coming to fruition, and... Uh, Talk about me not being able to do a lot of what I love about Metallica and, and Iron Maiden, but trying to do something cool and original. Mm-hmm. And I do love that you uh, are lending your services to it while that kind of other album is being made in the big room. Absolutely. Well, I mean, to me, music is the universal language. And like we were talking about earlier with the band, you can have two members that lean on totally different spectrums politically or uh with the virus and all that's going on right now right there's so much that divides us Mm -hmm. i love the fact that it'd be one thing if i thought you were like 
le- legitimately trying to usher in the end times <laughs> with Satan, you know. Uh, but it's probably the worship album people who want, want the end times more than me. But here's here's my point: you are following your artistic, like, hey, this is what I'm into. This is what I'm going to write about. This is the concept that I have, and I'm doing this to the best of my ability, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have someone else that says, this is the concept, this is what I'm into, and I'm doing this to the best of my ability. It's the music that bonds. And so I can go either direction because I believe in you as an artist, I believe in the other person as an artist. And what you're saying is your truth, their truth, and I can stand behind that. I don't know if pig fuck is my truth. Yeah. You're both true. Well, I think that's why I'm part of the project. Is <laughs> You're both trues we, is what he's saying. It's it. I kind of view your Lunar Satan record almost like a, uh, uh, what's Jack Black's band? Tenacious D. Yeah. It's like a Tenacious D record. Right. It's like, it's good and it's awesome and it's fun. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. It'd but, be pretty weird if I was like really, really into the material. <laughs> like, It'd be pretty weird if we played this from the top to the bottom and it ushered in the end times. <laughs> or we brought forth something. Well, here's a question. I mean, so the album's going to come out. I mean, it, it, it started on the podcast. It's it's ending on the podcast. I, I jokingly named it. Really? We, we, we have, so on whatever episode, don't, don't email us. Whatever episode, we were, Clint was going to this whole thing about... Uh, writing songs about Satan and space, and I, I think just I remember. That. I randomly just said like Lunar Satan, <laughs> and, and I think I said something like I'm really going to write that. Yeah. I'm going to actually do that. No, Clint committed that episode. He fully committed, and here we are, 26 years later, and the record's about done. So here's the so question: Would you call yourself Clint's manager? I'm more like the Phil Towel. Uh, I just kind of, I I felt like I was zoning it pretty hard in that episode. Yeah. And so the idea just came to me. Well, like, instead of putting, like, Zonet stickers all throughout the studio, just pentagrams. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing inspirational, just literally pentagrams Oh, my gosh, everywhere. we haven't even talked about the other thing on the agenda. What's that? So we're ending on this now. Okay. This, we'll make this quick, because we got to get... How long have we been talking? Are we still recording? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we we're like know? an hour and a half, I think. No, I see time code going over there. So we joke about Cannibal Corpse a lot on the podcast. <laughs> oh, gosh. We do. Because... Because it's ridiculous. Well, because I've sort of jokingly said, no big deal, freedom of speech, say whatever you want. Honey, please. Of course. Um, I come blood, please. Come blood all you want. <laughs> but I've often said, put that guy on an FBI watch list, check under the floorboards. You don't write for 30 years about killing people yes, unless, I've heard this argument. unless something's wrong. Right, right, right. So one of these Cannibal Corpse guys... I guess he kind of had a mental breakdown and he went a little nutty and pulled a gun and went to a neighbor's house and said aliens were invading and then his and then his house burned down or something. Whoa. So his house was investigated because it burned down and they found in the house like over 50 guns, most of them shotguns and a bunch of human skulls. Then <laughs> <laughs> the best part was like I I we we basically found out about this on Twitter today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the best resp- uh, like like quote t- quote tweet was who could have seen this coming? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we did get a lot of uh a lot of social media engagement today of people being like, "Well, I guess you were right." 
It was a crazy contrast of Cannibal Corpse and Miley Cyrus. Although he he didn't do anything illegal. I think he... (laughs) I don't know how you acquire human skulls. He likes to go to cemeteries. I don't know. Uh, uh, eBay, dude. But I mean, just just the whole situation. <laughs> it, it's it's so Cannibal Corpsey. Yeah, it's like of course the guy from Cannibal Corpse this happened. So to. let's wrap this up with for real, for real wrapping up. Okay, peace, adios. Paul made a super deep Metallica joke in our text thread, and I wanted to give you credit for it. <laughs> so we were te- oh, we were te- we were texting today, and we said, Ethan, you you threw out the first volley, and you said, Hey, are we still good for tonight? Right, right, yeah. And it's similar to the uh, does a bear shit in the woods uh, response. Does the Pope wear a funny hat? Exactly. Your response was, do Kirk Hammett's cats lick his hominid skulls? (laughs) 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 And you kind of felt like we glossed over it. Well, you know, there was a lot going on. We kept (laughs) texting. But I felt like someone should at least like double tap and heart it. Or or do a ha ha. Did we did we did we double tap? There was no double tap. Well, I, I wrote ha ha good answer. Then I wrote, does Lars wipe his sandwich hands on the HQ couch? <laughs> I thought we might have turned that into a whole thread. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it, was, it turned into a thing for sure. We should have kept going. We should have. Well, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. And with that, with that nice sentiment, mm-hmm. I think we should wrap it up. We've had a good time. It's been yeah. fun. This is the first episode we've ever done where we called an audible like this. We did. We've, yeah. we've never just improv an episode. I mean, we had a couple talking points, but there's no notes. There's no emails. Nothing. We just riffed and had had a good time. And riff I, life. I'm, riff life, bro. I had a great time, guys. This is yeah. the ultimate Tangent City episode. Tangent is City it, Volume dude, 1 no, is what this should be <laughs> yes! called. This is episode, volume two episode coming 199, week. Tangent City with Paul Moak. Yeah. Hey, can I be... The Tangent City guy from now on? Yeah. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. So next week, we do actually know what we're doing. We're having Bokasa on. No That's way. right. Bokasa, Norwegian heavy metal hard rock band who opened for Metallica and Ghost on the European Stadium Tour. Yep. I've been talking to Jorn, the lead singer, and uh, we're having them on. We're going to have a nice interview with the boys. That's right. And, That'll uh, be our 200th episode. That will be our 200th, won't it? Wow. Yeah, Bokasa. Dude, congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to clap, clap for us, too. Me, too. Yeah, why not? Again, to, just to just to really hem the episode in, the success of our podcast is like the mighty Sasquatch. That's right. The photo may be blurry, but it's real, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's real. Here's your homework. Delusive. <laughs> it might stink. It's immortal. It's sensual. It will steal your babies. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> if you put your... If you put your missing tooth under the pillow, it will leave a dollar. Oh, dude. They, commu- they, they can communicate by uh, hitting uh, big logs on trees, by the way. Hey, look, I'm Clint Wells, and that's the way the Yeti runs. <laughs> Who's next? Gosh. Um, I'm Ethan Luck, and that's the way the ape stinks. I'm, <laughs> I'm Paul Moak, and that's not... <laughs> That's not a dinosaur. That's the Loch Ness Monster. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, peace. Adios. Thank you. We did it. If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.